our first scene, John 12, beginning at verse 12. This is God's holy and infallible word. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Scene number two from John 18, uh, beginning at verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate, and Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact... For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Our final scene is from Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's our scripture reading uh, for our time today. So did you catch the main idea in those three scenes, those three scripture passages? It's Jesus' kingship, of course. Jesus is saying to us, I am your king. I am your king. And we really need to hear that today. Each of those scenes shows us something wonderful about his kingship, and each scene gives us a unique image to focus on. The first image in the first scene is Jesus riding on a donkey. And in that picture, we find that Jesus is the king who came for you. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, Israel's capital, 
on that day we call Palm Sunday. He's coming to God's people who are in darkness and they're living in gloom. There's a dark power that settled over their lives. There's a threat and they don't know what that's going to mean for their children and their grandchildren and their faith life day by day. They were living in an alliance with the Roman Empire, yet there was no doubt who held the power over that tiny nation of Israel, and it's Rome. They are in control. And so a cloud, a fog, has descended over their lives. The future is unknown. They can't see it. They're living in fear. And we as God's people today, too, we're dealing with the dark cloud as, as we live in the midst of the spread of this coronavirus, and, and the dread and the fear are tangible around us today. The people in our scene are waving palm branches, and that's a thing you did when a king came into town. They shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Those are quotes from Psalm 118, where Hosanna is translated, our God saves. We also read in uh, John a quote from Zechariah 9, see, your king is coming. God promised the coming of a great king all along in the Bible who would arrive in the midst of the shadows and who would come to dispel the darkness. Here, he's coming to Zion, we read. That's Mount Zion. That's where Jerusalem was. He's coming to Jerusalem. He's coming to God's people, Israel. So we read of Israel, Jerusalem, Zion. But yet, he came for us too because the New Testament, especially in places like Romans 9 and Galatians 3, it tells us that all who believe in Jesus are the true children of Israel today. And, and so, if you're a believer, Jesus has come for you. He's your king. He came for everyone throughout all of time who puts their faith and hope in him. And what that means is that he comes to us in our darkness right now to pierce this cloud, this gloom the vi this virus has created. Uh, we and our leaders are so in the dark, we don't know who to listen to. We don't know what to believe. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen or change from day to day. It's scary. The future is unknown. We're afraid. Praise God that the king has come in the midst of the darkness. But when he does, it's not what's expected. This becomes clear even among those shouts of joy and praise and excitement because the king is riding on a donkey. A horse is a royal animal. 
kings used in war and when coming home victoriously. But Jesus didn't ride that more majestic animal. Instead, he rode a donkey. Donkeys have these big ears that look out of proportion with their head size. Donkeys are generally shorter than a horse. And so Jesus might have looked just a little silly on a donkey, legs dangling down. How the light's going to come, how the darkness will be dispersed, is not what anyone would have expected. With a word, the coming king could stomp out Rome or raise an army who would gladly follow his call to free Israel from Roman oppression. But instead, the rescuing king who comes is the king who dies for his people. And we move to our next scene where Jesus says, I am the king who dies for you. This is where it's heading as Jesus talks with Pilate in John 18. We shift from the donkey, Jesus riding the donkey, to the cross where the king's going to hang to save his people. But stop and and think about this. The reality is we don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be pulled out of darkness and to have a hope for our children and our our future. And it's because the true darkness, the ultimate darkness, is sin. It's in the world, but it's right inside us too. We're born with it, and we proceed to live in sin. Like all of humanity around us and before us, except for Jesus, who never sinned. Today, God has removed any number of our idols, right? Sports, other forms of entertainment. He's chipping away at the sense of well-being we get when our finances are okay. For some of us, he's chipping away larger blocks of that idol of security in our money than others, but every single person is impacted. We've all been reminded of how, of how quickly the economy can go south, how fragile it all really is. And so idols have been totally removed today. Idols have been shown for how weak they really are. And yet, you know what? We're still not locked in and focused on the Lord. We always have another excuse for not being close to him. Our selfishness, our immaturities, our impatience, our capacity for manufacturing idols, they all remain. That all continues. And so this is not a time for entitlement as God's people, to say, of course we should be saved from the darkness of sin and the world and what's going on. I mean, I grew up in the church, and I've tried my best to live a decent life. Instead, friends, this is a time for confession. God sends things to wake us up. 
He doesn't call us in these times to think about what we deserve or to think about our accomplishments, which are pretty puny when it comes down to it. They're so insufficient. But he calls us to focus on Christ and his accomplishment. In times like this, we can't pay our way out. We watch our life savings diminish. We listen to the daily news and we have to ask, what is my only comfort in life and in death? And we have to confess, God, forgive me for being so easily rocked and afraid because I've failed to make Jesus my only comfort. It can't be about us. We've got nothing to offer. An accumulating debt of sin is all that we bring to the table. And so we see very clearly it's about him. It's about what the king, King Jesus, came to do. To rescue us from ourselves. To rescue us though we don't deserve it. And yet he did come because of the Father's love for us. He was born in a manger. He rode on that donkey. He washed his disciples' feet. He was a humble king, a humble servant king. In Philippians 2, we have an early hymn of the church, and we read there, Christ Jesus made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Death on a cross was considered the most humiliating death you could have in those days. Uh, to be nailed up there, arms outstretched for everybody to see. That cheering crowd that we saw in our first scene pretty quick turned pretty quickly against Jesus when they found out he wasn't going to save them in the way they wanted. And that's how he ended up betrayed and arrested and brought before Pilate, the Roman governor. The Romans, as the overlords, were the only ones who could issue the death penalty. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day, out of jealousy, out of unbelief, wanted him dead. And they wanted him dead in the worst way possible. Our king's death was humiliating, but it was also sacrificial. It was sacrificial. The charges against him were trumped up. He was innocent, but yet he willingly died for us because that was God's penalty for sin. And Jesus went there so that you and I wouldn't have to. And then his body was put in a grave and buried. He came to that lowest point of all for you and for me. But then comes another scene. The final scene, we read in Ephesians 1 about a king who rules and who reigns for his people. Jesus says, I am the king who rules for you. The final scene is King Jesus on the heavenly throne. Our future can seem frail. It's certainly uncertain. It may feel bleak. And even in the best of times, we're anxious about our future. But in these days, our concerns, our anxiety, well, it can all threaten to completely overwhelm us 
as we all huddle down in our homes. But I got a message for you today. It's a promise from the king. Your future is secure. And it's because the Lord is seated on the throne. As we think ahead um, many years, but even in the next few weeks, in the midst of this health crisis, this pandemic, where is your hope? Where's our future? Is it on those who are looking for a cure to this virus? Is it in an optimistic spirit of, we're going to all get through this, we always do? Is it if we wash our hands and keep our distance for a while, it's all going to turn out okay? Our hope tends to be humanistic. In other words, we put it in fellow human beings and science and in something down here that comes from below among us. Unless I've missed it, no one seems to be looking at the cross. No one's looking to the heavenly throne. But real hope doesn't come from among us, right? But it comes from him who went to the cross and who now reigns and rules from above. It's got to be from him. We've got no future here. Even when things get back to normal after this virus, what about the next crisis that hits this world or that hits your life? Your hope, your future, mine, it's in the one who reigns from his heavenly throne, who has all the power and the authority that we read about in Ephesians 1. Three days after his crucifixion, he rose up from the grave. He appeared to many people. And then 40 days after the day of resurrection, with his disciples watching, he ascended to heaven where he had come from when he assumed human flesh and was born of Mary. And then God seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. After all, Jesus said to Pilate that his kingdom is not of this world. And so as Romans 8 says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? Poverty, illness, COVID-19, Satan, the power, and the rulers of this world, cancer, death. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. All things are working for the good of those who love him. Whatever you're feeling or going through today, we trust, we know it's for our good somehow, even if we can't explain it or understand it all. The king who is on the heavenly throne, far above us and beyond us in knowledge and understanding and wisdom, he has it handled. He's sovereignly in control of it all and even of your life. And he loves you, says his word. A couple of reflections after looking at those scenes. We've been talking about Jesus' kingship for his people. 
because that's what the Bible does. And what it means, practically speaking, is that the benefits of the king's coming and his death and his rule aren't for everyone. And that's a very sobering thing to say. It's a very sobering thought when you think about what it means for this life and the next not to have the benefits and the blessings of Jesus' kingship. You see that in in the fear of some people around us today who don't know Jesus. There's just fear. And, and, And we can even fall into that fear. But then we remember, no, my Jesus is on the throne. It's going to be okay. The Bible makes very clear that he is king for all who put their trust in him and bow the knee to him. But without faith in him, there is no light in the darkness. If you don't bow the knee to him, you're bowing the knee to someone or something else who's ultimately not capable of helping you or saving you. And so the kingship of Jesus urges you to believe if you do not and to become part of the church, God's people, if you are not now. And then if you give up your earthly citizenship and turn to Jesus, you'll receive a heavenly passport that's going to give you access to all the benefits of that kingdom now and forevermore. A number of you know this, but just a few weeks ago, it feels like a lot longer than a few weeks ago, but just before all this stuff went down really seriously with the coronavirus, Sarah and I had a wonderful, somewhat crazy, but a wonderful time in Honduras uh, with Tim and Nan Lurup. They were so gracious to invite us to spend some time with them down there. We learned about ministries that we've supported there as a church for many years, and we learned about a wonderful new venture to equip those in need that the Lurups have been called to. Our flight home was on March 8th, right? So like I said, just before I think the very next week we started suspending worship services and church activities. Our flight home was on March 8th. And over that course of that week, we would sometimes check the news about things back home. um, And we were starting to get worried that we might not be able to get back into the States. They were getting closer to like shutting down borders to prevent the spread. But we made it back. um, We made it back on... March 8 in the evening. And then when we, when we came back, uh, when we landed and we received that wonderful word from the customs official after he reviewed our passports and looked us up and down a little bit. Actually, he wasn't stern at all. He was very friendly. But we heard what we all hear after traveling internationally and when we come home. He said, with a smile, welcome home. And as wonderful as it was to be in Honduras, wonderful, beautiful country, and as amazing it was to see all that God is doing there um, through his servants, 
It sure felt good to be home and to hear that welcome especially kind of in these scary times with the coronavirus, it was good to be entering back into the good old U.S. of A. and to participate in all the blessings that we have in this country. Uh, One that I appreciate more now is just smooth roads. For all who believe in Jesus, who bow the knee to the king, we've been given the stamp that marks us as citizens of God's kingdom, the heavenly Jerusalem. And so in the end, the darkness will not overcome the king's people. The dark clouds of this life, the gloom, the uncertainty, the fear, the anxiety of it all, It's going to dissipate one day like a forgotten dream when God receives us and Jesus says, welcome home. And we experience the kingdom blessings full on. One more reflection as we conclude. Also a question. In the meantime... Before finally reaching our heavenly home, what does living under this king's rule look like? Well, as Jesus lived in this world but was not of this world, as he told Pilate, that's exactly how his citizens also live. That's how living under his rule and reign looks. He's placed us in this world, but we're not of it. And so in every part of life, we ask, What does it mean for me to bow the knee to King Jesus? What do I tend to put on the throne in his place? My financial security, entertainment, my loved ones. Living as kingdom citizens means making sure he is on the throne of our hearts and lives and that anything else is not. It's very much a matter of priorities. You can talk about God family and maybe close friends, church and kingdom. If anything else is in that top three, and certainly if anything else supersedes number one, our God, whether it's our work, our money, sports, entertainment, politics, we're making a mistake and it will end in disappointment. Is God wanting us to reassess our priorities during this time when he's pressed pause with COVID-19. I think he is. And so we cry, Hosanna, despite Rome, despite the darkness, Hosanna, blessed is he who came for you, who died for you and who rules for you and is reigning for you and for all who believe and call on his name. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great plan of salvation, all out of love for us sinners. We thank you for Uh, the eternal plan and how King Jesus came, how he died, how he rose again and now reigns on high. Help us, your people, not to live in fear, 
but to live in hope, to live knowing it's all under his control. Take our fears away. Help us bow the knee to King Jesus in every area of our life. Help us in this time of this, this pause button that, that God has pressed for our lives and our world. Help us to reassess our priorities. Oh God, we want you, your son, to be on our throne. Holy Spirit, make that so more and more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.